I think I'm going to uh so so the great sage Matt Pike um has a great uh life philosophy that I like to uphold at all moments, but especially with things like the uh momentous uh quarter century release of new Final Fantasy content, which is old Final Fantasy content, and that is uh, to drop out of life with bong in hand and take a journey to the rift-filled land. <laughs> yeah. There are no rifts in Final Fantasy. But, um... uh, the rifts are me leveling up, uh, Cloud being moody. That's a riff. Recurring mm -hmm. riff. That repeats. Okay, you can well... tell me anything about Final Fantasy and I'll believe you. Just, Guess how just many so hours you know. <laughs> I've put into the game. It came out Friday at midnight. Guess how many hours I've put in. Um, how many? Okay, wait. Friday. What day is it? For one thing, it it's is Saturday. Saturday. It's Saturday. It's, it's Saturday. Is, is it it's Saturday? Saturday? Oh God, yeah. I don't oh, know Saturday. anymore. <laughs> Holy shit! Wow. Okay, so yeah. it's Saturday. See, now I, I don't know. Day. How many hours have you put in? If you thought that it was Sunday, <laughs> I put in sixteen you hours. You've transcended time at this point. I have. You've gone I, uh, out of time playing Final Fantasy, and you've come back in. You, you lost a day somewhere. Hold on. Friday at midnight. You mean mm -hmm. like the midnight after Thursday or the midnight yeah, of the Friday? Yeah, mid so the midnight between Thursday and Friday. Okay, that, okay. okay that makes more sense. Because otherwise, yeah. you literally never slept. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did stay up until 9 a.m., Jesus Christ. I, I, Look, I'm halfway through it, Gareth. I'm halfway through Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. It's, it came out Friday. I've actually done that. Um, me and my wife used to own a beautiful organic flower shop, but we would spend like all our time playing City Skylines together. Uh, we would do that till from like from the shop close at 5 a.m. till it opened at 9 a.m. the following morning. Wait. Um, it's, <laughs> it was, uh, Wait, are you, are, are you telling... A lie? Did you no. own an organic yeah. flower shop with no, your wife? Yeah, no, I, I did. We, we owned that is the most insanely fucking British thing yeah. I have ever fucking heard. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we, technically Blobby is the most British. Oh, yeah. Well, we were in Canada at the time, but no, we, we had a flower shop. It was ethically sourced, which you'd be surprised how bad flowers are for that. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've actually read a bunch of stuff. There's some like nightmarish um, elements in the flower trade. I mean, Obviously, it goes back to like the Dutch tulip markets and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah it hasn't really gone away. Yeah, we we were dead against the Dutch. Hate the Dutch. Ugh. All of <laughs> yeah, them. they're disgusting. They're horrible people. Yeah. Bunch of pancake eating bong smokers. What um, I love is that the Dutch fucking invented slavery as uh, like chattel slavery. <laughs> like literally, they're like, mm, we missed out on colonizing Africa, but you know what we could do instead? And someone's like. Now, I've been reading a lot of, uh, so a man came back from the future, yeah, and he was wearing a swastika, which I thought was weird, because isn't that a Buddhist thing? And he gave me some books about race science, and it's given me some ideas about a new invention we could have. And everyone else is like, oh my god, what the fuck? What the fuck is that guy saying right now? He's like, let's invent slavery. That's so we can Dutch. blame the Dutch for everything. Most I mean, literally, things, like, yeah. they, uh, the triangle trade, um, they would sell contracts in the Amsterdam market, which is the biggest market in the world at the time. Mm. And it was just Dutch traders saying, here's a contract saying that you can go steal 15 people from their homes in Africa. Obviously, like, 
how are you going to get consent for that? But also they didn't. So even in the hypothetical world where you could get consent for that, which we don't live in, we don't live in that world. They also didn't do that. They straight up were like, what if I just write on a piece of paper that you can kidnap people and you pay me for that paper? And they're like, that's it. That's our new business plan. So, <laughs> European yeah, so, history is nightmarish. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean that Western Europe, right? But Eastern yeah. Europe, I'm I'm sure we, we've got an expert with us on the show today. I'm sure if you go if you go further east, it all become <laughs> kittens and rainbows, right? Are we oh, am I right boy. about that? Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, oh, so folks, uh, welcome to your death sentence for this week. Uh, we have with us a, an oddity, a, a rarity, a, a first, an unprecedented. <laughs> We've been trying to branch out. You're always trying to do new stuff. We have literally never had <clears throat> an author of young adult fiction on the show. And that's kind of weird for a books podcast because yeah. YA is a huge, huge fucking thing. It's massive. All the like the majority of the big books of the last few decades have been YA novels, and uh, yeah, you can gripe about uh, it's not real fiction. Uh, adults shouldn't mess with it, but it's it's still it's massive, and you should you know spend a little time thinking about massive stuff. Yeah, like if you care about an yeah. art form, caring about the art that does actually have an impact on on people, which to be fair, that there's an amount of bitterness there that I can, as a 30-year-old man with his own set of regrets, <laughs> I, I can understand an amount of the frustration of like, how come this seems to reach people and seems to actually Absolutely. change the world around it? And the thing that I like doesn't. But at some point, also being an adult means you have to get over that. And just yeah. like there are, you know, millions and billions of different configurations of things in the world. And only the small number, which seems randomly selected, seems to have that massive power. And it's not like no one's picking on anyone. That's not. I mean, we can talk about the publishing industry, which is a separate kind of discussion, but like you talk to people who write stuff and it's like, I just write stories that compel me. And then the uh, market market guy is like this for an 11 year old. And you're like, <laughs> basically. Uh, <laughs> okay. Like, so that's about it. Emily here is the author of uh, Wicked Saints, which came out uh, 2019. Yeah. And that was a was that a New York Times bestseller? It was. Yeah, damn right it was. Yeah, yeah and, it was. Um, was that your was that your first published work? Or... <laughs> it sure was. Okay, Holy so... shit. Good for you then. <laughs> yeah, Thank so you. Off, it was a lot. <laughs> off to the off to a good start. <laughs> um Ruthless Gods has come out a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, April 7th, so a mere four days ago. May or may not be in the New York Times bestseller list already. We don't know. We'll that see. comes out like a Tuesday or something. Um, comes out Wednesday. Right. I will be lying on the floor all day. <laughs> so yeah, it's so, and probably you know, we've only ever had a, one other New York Times bestseller author on the show. Wait, who? Hannah, uh, Hannah Jameson. Uh, oh, the last, yeah. That was oh. New York Times bestseller. 
Yeah. And uh, it's a Netflix adaptation. So, Emily, you got your work cut out for you. you get, oh, man. Gotta get your Netflix in. Whew. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we're, we're going to go into fan casting uh, this later. But, oh, okay. So, <laughs> give, give us the give us a pitch for the, the Something Dark and Holy series. Like the, like the whole series. What, 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 is, what is it? So, the series is about. Um, a girl from a country that vaguely resembles medieval fantasy Russia um, who can talk to gods and that is how she gets her magic Um, and it's about two blood mage boys from the other country um, that looks a little like fantasy Poland Mm -hmm. Um, and this country has these countries have been at war for the past century um, and it's about these three um, kind of crashing into each other and causing just untold amounts of cosmic horror shenanigans on their fantasy Eastern Europe. And the, sometimes the real villain is just the friends that you made along the way. Nice. Oh, I'll be using that. Uh, but um, I mean, the first obvious question is why Eastern Europe? Like just the generic Tolkien fantasy. I know, I know that's like a devil's advocate question there, but you know, just humor me. I well, the thing is, is that I love the the classic Tolkien fantasy. Like, I grew up on Dragonlance, which is the epitome oh, yeah. of stock, like <laughs> yeah. the fantasy. Um, but I I got the idea for Wicked Saints <laughs> while playing Skyrim, and. Mm-hmm. Nice. I tried to write it as kind of just a stock, just European fantasy, and it didn't work. Um, And I tried to write it, like, many times, and it didn't work. And there was a long time where the quote-unquote enemy kingdom was not really grounded anywhere real, and it super didn't work. It was very obvious that I was just pulling stuff out of the air. And it wasn't until I, like, started actually researching things and realizing that maybe if I grounded this in reality a little bit that I could write a story that made sense um and I had um I already was super interested in Russian folklore and so I had pulled I was working as a um I was working in a university library at the time of writing it and so I like pulled their entire Russian folklore collection into my apartment. Um, And there was this one random book about one random war between Russia and Poland Um, in like the twenties. I don't know. It was like, it was, it was small and it, I, there was an entire book on it and I never read the book. Uh, It sat in my apartment for like six months, but I was like, well, this is a thing I can ground this in, in something that's real and build out from there and everything in the book is completely made up it's all fake but i have found that i work better if i am pulling something out of reality to ground it as opposed to just writing just fantasy europe where everything is kind of making it up as you go even though i am making up everything as i go yeah i mean it does it reads a lot different from other stuff um, mm. That was fantasy because I'm getting kind of sick of the Tolkien thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Skyrim was a, was a nice change from that. It actually drew in Norse stuff. So yeah, even even though it was kind of like a coat of paint on like a, a larger like um, Tolkieny world, like the 
my uh, my whole take on my whole take on Tolkien is admittedly this is pinched from Ursula K. Le Guin, who's like cliche talking about fantasy point. Uh, she's mad brilliant, and all of her nonfiction essays about um about fiction are like dumb brilliant and make me feel like a moron because they're so like I'm like, how are you so fucking smart? This is so fucking true. Um, but that like Tol Tolkienian stuff is good on paper, but we ignore because of uh Tolkien's prose is quite clunky. It's deliberately mm -hmm. clunky, but it's definitely mm -hmm. clunky. We ignore that there is a lot of like an intense amount of invisible craft behind it. So it's very easy to make shitty Tolkien fantasy. And mm -hmm. then it's easy to trick yourself into going like, I guess this means Lord of the Rings and shit actually. And then you reread it and you're like, no, this is fire. This is crazy. I hate you, Feanor. You're such a fucking dumbass. You fucking, you fucking, uh, uh, Silmaril losing ass prick. You fucking prick. Um, but yeah, there's the, there's like this, I, I've I've liked uh, like Russian like weird art house cinema for a while because it has this like weird like melting brain vibe like like they can't yeah. Russian cinema cannot be normal there is no normal Russian movie. <laughs> um, admittedly, you look at their history and you're like, oh, and then you're like, it makes yeah. sense. Have you yeah. seen like Polish avant-garde horror films? They don't have regular horror, only avant-garde <laughs> because they're so Polish. And you're like, oh. <gasps> Yeah, I mean, have you seen Polish film posters? Yeah. For, for oh, they're bonkers. Like, yeah. <laughs> for like, I love it's them. like, it's like here's our, my poster for when Harry met Sally, and you're like, this is like an avant-garde color field. And yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I picked. It's some benign movie, and the poster looks like <laughs> it should be a horror film, and yeah. you're like, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> I guess that so makes sense. I, I had to bite my tongue when you ask your devil's advocate question and not just be like, because Eastern European fantasy fucking slaps is why. <laughs> it's fun. That's why I, I didn't like, like The Witcher got real big when that Netflix yeah. show came out. And, and that kind of, that could have done so much more with it being like from, from Poland. I know it's it was, a, a uh, things, but it's kind of, yeah, it feels, it feels like, oh, okay. You're doing, oh, there are elves, dwarves and humans and orcs and so on. No. And like the the books are like that, but the books have that innate Polish feeling that the show did not have. And even like I I liked the Witcher show, but I also kind of I also wish that they had leaned in a little more because I feel like they didn't. Because even like the games are, especially the third one, just super Polish, super yeah. Polish. Um, yeah, but the show was not even a a more obvious soundtrack i think would have helped i feel mm. like it was too subtle hmm. oh yeah well i mean subtle but except for that one give a coin to your witcher song which has been stuck in my head which ever was since. not subtle <laughs> no i am the only person who did not really like that song i didn't like that song i hated oh, that song okay. it, Never it's mind. I... it hasn't left my head I liked the song, but then I discovered that the guy that plays that character is actually in an incredibly good British folk band, and that's like all I listened to for a week straight. What 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 are they called? This uh, folk band? Uh, the Amazing Devils. I did not know them, uh, but um, anyway, so. <clears throat> So you've put put out two books in real, really quick succession. So I'm I'm guessing there's a third on its way next year. Yes. 
Yep. Um, and um, yeah, how, how did you approach writing these? Because they're, they're big, big old books, 400 pages a piece, or 500 for um, Ruthless Gods. Three will be even longer. Well, okay. <laughs> so, how are you? How are you as a writer? Are you like a, a big plotter? Do you have, write like huge uh, design documents and plot out your characters beforehand? Do you, do you just go straight in, or how do, how do you do it? I um, I start writing and I hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just I... entirely when you see your pants. This? completely completely wow. um this is like intricate stuff here you know yeah not just from a mytholo mythological standpoint but also in terms of the plots the betrayals the the, the magic systems the, the i the shock it's myself all... with the things that i do unconsciously because a lot of it is unconscious um wow yeah wow. it's <laughs> <laughs> I well it. i um i've tried i've tried outlining and i've discovered that uh it makes me it just bores me. Like I get bored with the story because I know what's coming. And so why would I write it? I already wrote it when I wrote the outline. Um, Cause you can't publish an outline. That? That's why there's no New York <laughs> bestselling outlines. Yeah. But I don't want to do this twice, even though I write 13,000 drafts because I am incredibly oh. messy. Um, but like when I wrote Wicked Saints, I, aside from the fact that it took many false starts of me writing the same 15,000 words, like 12 times um i just kind of winged it and hoped for the best and it ended up working in a bizarrely roundabout way because i know you mentioned that you you've read the second one which makes this all the more interesting the first one is very um <laughs> i don't want to like spoil it but also they talk about it in the second one um when Malakash does what he does in the first one that they allude to in the second one, um, it kind it was it was as a surprise to me as it was to all of the characters in the book. Much like when I wrote Ruthless Gods, um, one of the things that happens in the end, I was planning for, and the other I was not. Uh, a lot of times, I just kind of go, and if I have a weird idea then I just follow it and see where it, where it lands. And sometimes it works. And sometimes I have to email my mm -hmm. editor and be like, I know I've written 30,000 words, but I'm pitching all of them and I'm starting over. I promise I will turn this in on time. And somehow I have managed to make my deadlines, but I have managed to make my deadlines by when I'm like three weeks out from my deadline, crash drafting like 40,000 words in 11 days, which I is mentally the worst thing in the world um but i have done that twice now <laughs> and nice. so it's just a matter of like thinking about it a lot for me and then just writing it as fast as i possibly can when my deadline comes up <laughs> nice well it, it doesn't show it it all fits together it works it's it's like intricate and delicate it's mm -hmm. yeah so I, I, I actually kind of think that the the speed of writing does show, but in a but in a beneficial way, like this is coming from I, I obviously don't have anything published. So you're significantly more accomplished of a writer than me. <laughs> but there's something to be said about like having boiled over the thoughts of what's going to be in something for the for like a very long time and just spinning it and spinning it and mm -hmm. spinning it. And then 
blasting it onto a page so that everything that comes out is substantially more subconscious rather than mm -hmm. like, because sometimes you can tell when something's been edited perhaps a bit too much and you can, especially if you've like been in that process before, you can almost feel like, and here's where they link stitch together this bit Absolutely. from that. To, and yours reads like one fluid thing. Which is, mm -hmm. especially for something like this, I think a really, really big strength for it. Yeah. I find that you can also tell sometimes when books are very, like, intricately outlined. Like, yeah. you can see, like, oh, this is where in the outline they were like, and now this has to happen. And, like, I have that mentally. Like, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I'm coming up on 30,000 words. Something should happen here. But, um, what whatever that event might be i'll figure it out when i get there i'm currently drafting a book right now and it's miserable and i hate it and i'm at that point where i know that something needs to happen and i don't know what it is yet and so <laughs> i'm just very in this horrible time of okay well, not let, knowing let me, what's going on let me pitch something to you what if dracula had uh -huh. a gun Dracula. I already wrote that. Okay, okay. here's well, the thing. You, but here's... you didn't publish it, so she can have it. Dracula with a gun. Here's... Dracula can kill anyone at close range. If you run away from Dracula, what can he do? Nothing. Turn into a wolf, maybe? A bat? He'll Fine. catch up to you. He's Dracula. He's got but... fucking, he's got moves. He's got yeah. moves, man. Sure, sure. But what if he just wants to kill you right there and then? He needs a Well, he then he'll shoot you with his gun. Yeah, yeah, he needs a block. He he'll blast, he'll he'll blast block. you. Like side land, like cool style. Incredible like, thing like, about flat, this flat, like that. is I'm literally the the thing that I'm writing now is it's in the same universe as something dark and holy, and I have introduced guns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you can do gun Dracula now. That's Look, that, I can. can. Yeah, you can do Dracula two guns just like going sideways. Guns and Kimbo, yeah, yeah. Like that gun yeah. Dracula is a perfect phrase. I'm glad that I pumped out a bedillion words of free fiction around it. And you know what? Everyone, everyone should use Gun Dracula. Gun Dracula should be public domain. Regular yeah. Dracula's public domain. Given guns, that should be it should be beyond public domain. It should be like you can't publish unless it's in your work. Every book like should have at least a cameo. <clears throat> yeah. Imagine it—the dark terror of Dracula stalking you through a through a misty alley with guns. He's gonna <laughs> fucking kill you with guns. Yeah, you think he's gonna miss? No, he's Dracula. He's not gonna miss. But uh, so we're coming up to about halfway now, and um, oh, oh, I, you know, I should have probably mentioned this before we started because it's uh, kind of important. Um, we, we like to like to put some uh, musical interludes into our show. And since um, through scrolling through your Twitter, I've determined that you have decent enough taste in music. Oh, if if there are any if there are any if there are any musical uh, tracks that we could play here that like mm -hmm. I don't know feel significant to the books or to you mm -hmm. or or you just like heard them tomorrow yesterday and you think they're cool, then mm -hmm. um, yes, yeah, su suggest them. All right. The orcs chord has gone to you. You uh, you are now soundtracking this this oh, party. This is a lot of that's a lot of pressure. It is, yeah. Well, especially we, we after to being it, like, told that I have, you. especially being told that I have good music taste. Like now, it just well, feels. Yeah. Whew. 
Yeah, you, you, this is like a, a cred check. We've, we've, we're cred checking you here. <laughs> it's got to be I mean, like insanely obscure. The it, the things that I know, <laughs> the things that I listened to um, when writing Ruthless Gods was this. Um, it was this just. I a lot of writers I know make like really intricate playlists, and I just like dump albums of like three bands into a playlist and hope for the best. And so my my dumped playlist that I listened to for Ruthless Gods was um, Batushka. Oh, it yes. was yeah um it was uh oh god how do you say their name hold on uh let me look at it and not not mispronounce it uh anal nothrak i don't know how you say oh, yes. that um yeah but no it was read i sort of think but uh, I don't, yeah I don't, does anyone know um a lot of I them i don't um yeah they they whip ass no. i oh, they're so good i, I remember the, only um oh, you go on. the only the only cybergrind band with the word christmas in a song that's one of my favorite songs by them <laughs> and it's like the only word you can actually hear yeah it's christmas <laughs> but um they will play that one um hold on i'm gonna find out what that that's what i want so cool is that does that have some um i'm gonna put a little laugh for at christmas I think it's uh, forward. forward. Yeah, it's forward. Yeah. Uh, it's the one with it... the really satisfying machine gun noises. <laughs> that does narrow it down. <laughs> um, okay, I, I believe the song "Forward" by Alacraft. Yeah, um, has the word "Christmas" in. If it doesn't, then pff, you know, forget it. <laughs> one so, of them so... does. It's still a rocking song. It's still cool as hell. Um, I personally, this is just me, think that band has declined in quality over the years. That's that's the opposite of how I feel. I yeah. <clears throat> I also I like their their newer stuff with the dubstep. I like. I think they handle weird. it well. I mean, handle dubstep well in twenty twenty. Look, <laughs> like, I, dubstep is dis dubstep is disappeared. We're all forgetting dubstep happened. Like Skrillex is out there, like hiding behind a dumpster, like the ugly guy in uh, that one David Lynch movie, ready to jump out at us again. But he, I he's mean, gone. Have you listened to Igor with three R's? Yes, oh, I haven't. But I love, I love, I, I, love I have, <clears throat> I have a really tough time with Igor. But Igor was involved in another project, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. I mean, I admire Igor. It's one of those things where, like, I hear it and it's I'm like... It's painful to listen to. I adore it. <laughs> I I love that it exists. I, I don't mean that in, like, a flippant way. I mean, like, it's... Mm -hmm. uh, since I... One of one of my um, main gigs for the past couple of years has been writing, like, art criticism around heavy metal. Um, I like very much how they like rattle the cage a whole bunch mm -hmm. and get certain types of people really pissed off. Oh, I found the name of the group. It's Oxozooks. I've never yes. known how to pronounce this one. I don't either. I love <clears throat> I love them too. Yeah. And that's like hearing him in a band context where it's because you know his Igor's is solo stuff. And then in with yeah. this one he's I just I fucking love it. That last record 
E or Y. I don't know how to. I don't know how to say any of it. <laughs> I go bananas. It's fucking awesome. I love. I love. Um, I don't know what her name is, but she's the one that sings with like all of his projects, and I love her Ryson. voice. She goes by the yeah. name Ryson, <laughs> like as in the Deadly Ryson. Cast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. But uh, so yeah, before we um, speaking of Deadly Gas, here's a, a song about World War One um, by Anil Nakhla. Uh It's forward. was Anil Nakraf um, with the song Forward, uh, literally the only song 
the only extreme metal song with the word Christmas in the lyrics. Uh, also, the word school teachers. I'm, I'm looking at genius lyrics right now. Um, I'm going to say not great work of poetry by any um, means, but oh, also the word pansies is in this and treehouse. They're just using words that you should never but use. But you never metal. know listening to it. I know. Because you can't understand a single thing they're saying. <laughs> also, borscht. Um, oh. Yeah. Never. Um, I mean, yeah, they, they say fuck and killing and starving a lot. Yeah. But um, yeah, also borscht and Christmas. These crazy guys. Crazy guys. <laughs> but um, so, Emily, I want to kind of circle back to something we, we talked about right at the start. That you kind of alluded to. I want to like press you on it now. So, when you started out with this, did you think you were writing a YA novel? Actually, yes. Um, okay. So, this is okay. Wicked Saints. I think Wicked Saints and Ruthless Gods are very different books um, mm -hmm. because when I wrote Wicked Saints, there are a lot of tropes in Wicked Saints that are very prevalent in YA or more so YA at the time that I was writing it so it was like 2015 YA mm -hmm. um so there was there was a lot of um god there were just so many YA books with the girl goes to the fancy castle because the king is trying to find a wife for the prince and like whatever it's fun you get to write about fancy dresses but also I wanted to write a book where that happened and it didn't matter. Like it had nothing, like it was just a set piece and an excuse to get them into the palace. Like it, I, I spent no time on it. Like it was just a, just, I just wanted not to lure people in, but to like use that without actually using it. Um, but I did that with a bunch of, of YA tropes. Cause like the, the the broody boyfriend thing is all over the place in YA, mm -hmm. and I wanted yep. to do that. Thank you, but Star with, Wars. Yes, um, I wanted to do that, but like with a character that isn't quite what you're expecting from that trope, because um, he's a nerd. <laughs> and so, Wicked Saints was all of those things. And when I went to write Ruthless Gods. Um, because Wicked Saints starts out as a pretty typical YA fantasy book. And then the last, like, 90 pages get really weird and cosmic. Mm -hmm. And so Ruthless Gods was me going, okay, you know what? I liked what I did in those last 90 pages. So I'm going to do that for 500 pages now. <laughs> um, and so Wicked Saints was also paced like a YA book. It's very fast. Um, it is all, it's just a lot of things constantly happening. And after I did that, I realized that I actually, I don't, I don't like that. Like that's a very typical pacing in YA fantasy and I don't like it. It's, it's, it's too fast. It's too much. I want, I want things to be slower actually. And yeah, so. Um, one of the, one of the things I really liked about the start of Ruthless Gods is it felt as someone who hasn't read volume one, mm -hmm. it felt like a, it felt like a, a hangover from volume mm -hmm. one. It felt like, exactly oh, God, what, what, is. what is going on? What, what are we doing here? Oh. And it was just very slow and dark. And yeah, it was like waking up after a party where you where you've like blacked out for a bit. Yeah. But, um, uh, 
yeah, and I I like that about it. And yeah, you you're right. The the, the safe YA thing would be to just you know, keep the pedal on the uh, keep your foot on the accelerator, just keep plowing ahead mm -hmm. with more plotty stuff and up the stakes. And when I was one monster in the first one, I'll have ten monsters in this one. Exactly. And so, yeah, I like that. It made it fun. I I it's it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how it lands. Um. Just because Y is expected to be very pacey and fast, and I decided that I didn't. Um, but I and and even the third one, I is very slow and also significantly longer. Um, so I'm kind of like pivoting a little. Like I like writing YA, and I like that the books are YA, but I read predominantly adult fantasy, and so. I can like feel myself like plucking the things I like from um, the way both kinds of age ranges or whatever are written to. And like, I like how adult books are paced, but I like writing about teenagers who make bad decisions. So I'm just going to take the things that I like to write and put them in a blender and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, what I. So I think it also hits a point about like YA as a structure in that it, it we get a lot of um, some fair, some quite unfair, um, like uh, equivocate, not equivocating, like prognosticating about like what is YA, is YA mm -hmm. good, is YA, which is admittedly that conversation is probably never going to go away. You can't have something be big and not have people prod at it like that. It's like, mm -hmm. It is what it is. Um, <clears throat> but <clears throat> one of the things that sometimes gets lost in that is the how like how relatively constructed of a field it is. And mm -hmm. it, it sometimes do it in this case, I mean, to its benefit in the sense that you can as much as you can pick if you want to say YA is bad. People who write YA and read YA are wasting their time. Blah, blah, blah. You can you can pick books that fit that point. But you can just oh, as easily find books that fit like, no, it, it deals with literary stuff. It's more just wanting the prose to be a bit more approachable as opposed to mm -hmm. leaning. But even then you can find like experimental prose inside of YA books. So it's like sometimes the fact that it's so deeply constructed of a genre space gets gets lost in some of these discussions. And it's like you can fill a full spectrum from like very bad books only for children up to like sophisticated books of experimental prose and you know more complex concepts that all live in this like very very big bubble yeah well and also because it gets because of the the way it's talked about it gets treated as like this encompassing genre when it's just like you go to a bookstore and you walk over to where the quote unquote adult books are and you can pull, you know, seven absolutely terrible books off that shelf too. Like yeah. it's all, they're <laughs> all just, it's all just a different, you're all just writing for a slightly different audience. And I mean, we, one of, one of the things that we sort of poke at pretty frequently is there's the standard, um, cause there's the standard discursive bugbears when the YA versus adult fiction book like thing comes up, which is always tedious mm -hmm. when it comes up. It's, I don't think it's ever actually been fruitful for anyone, but I think we'll get like, it on Twitter soon. We're doing one. Uh, of course. <laughs> that, no, it's, you can set your watch to when they come through. It's like, uh -huh. well, <laughs> Oh, it's midweek. 
week. Time for the news. <laughs> but um, like one of the bugbears thrown back at literary fiction sometimes. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of like uh, white dudes writing it. And it's like the vast majority, especially of award winners, that's not necessarily the case. Or it's like, oh, it's a bunch of horny professors and businessmen cheating mm-hmm. on their wives with nubile. And it's like, those books do exist. That Unfortunately, they are real, but they also aren't like, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the split is predicated off of like it's one of those things where the Marxist in me is like, we should just be mad at the forces of capital that are like, I don't see books as literary things. I see them as market objects. And so I need to craft terms to make and it's like, yeah, because especially like I don't know, I've never been in a room talking with people who actually make any of that stuff and had it come across as anything other than like what you were saying. You're like, I don't know. I like some bits over here and I, I like some bits over in this pool and I and put them together and I was like, I like what I'm making now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, one of the cool things about YA that's very different from um, <clears throat> like literary fiction, I guess, is it, it's so like I'm reading the uh, Kirkus review of um, your both your books. Um, if, if you, yeah, you've, I guess you read it. Um, oh God, uh, I've actually I've never read the one for Wicked Saints. I was told it was so bad I should never look at it. I have read I'm, the one yeah. for Ruthless Gods. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I gotta. Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> it's um, yeah, uh, they, yeah, they, they're, they're not fans. They were they're not it's, fans. It's written it's by fine. the same, same person. I'm not, um, I'm not writing for them, so it's okay. Yeah. Well, this one person, because it's clearly written by the same person. They have exactly the same prose style. It's that's um, the same person. Yeah, I mean, they they define it as fantasy, fourteen to eighteen. But you you'd be like like very few, or virtually actually no literary fiction gets written for an age range. There's there's no like, I think this book would work really well for a thirty to thirty five year old. Because a thirty-five-year-old and a thirty-year-old are barely different. <laughs> my, in my experience, is just accumulated digestive issues, and that's about it. Um, and it but a fourteen-year-old like... to an eighteen-year-old, they're, they're very, very different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and this book coming out over three years. If like if you're fourteen when um, Wicked Saints c- comes out, then you're going to be seventeen by the time. Uh, book three comes out you're going to be like an entirely different person you're not going to be yeah. a child you could have a job you could you might not be a virgin you you know this is so are you like aware of that when you when you're writing that you're you're talking to these like massively different people at massively different times in their lives you know i not really um but it's hard. Like watching how Wicked Saints has landed has been interesting because I have found that it lands really well with adult readers and like young teens. Um, Cause like the young teens don't really notice the fact that it's like super dark and gory. They just think it's fun, um, which is my intent. Like this is just fun guys. Um, and it lands less well with the, the corner that wants YA fiction to teach lessons. Um, Because I am not interested in that at all. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) not even a little bit. You're in good company. (laughs) (laughs) That's another recurring bugbear of ours. It's just coming back. Yeah, that that one's like, I'm not 
wholly opposed to didactic fiction, but I like you get sometimes people are like the fact that it's didactic is enough. And it's like, motherfucker, you still have to write a good book. Like it I can still has to be entertaining. Like, or like you should make me like the difference between reading something that feels like the author is thinking through it as they're writing it and comes to a conclusion versus I already know what my conclusion is. And all of this is some like, it's like, I like parables in the fairy tale format. I will read mm -hmm. a modern fairy tale, uh, six ways till fucking Sunday. Love that shit. I'm, I don't know if they're good or bad, but, I, but then it's like, now this fairy tale is 500 pages. And the, but I could have summarized it in two sentences. And it's like, like the standard test of like, why is a book, however long it is, isn't, could you could you have boiled it down, but more like because obviously you could technically boil anything down. If that was the case, then the Wikipedia article for a book is the best edit of a book, um, which is stupid. <laughs> um, it's it's about the event without getting too flighty with theory shit. It's about the eventness and beingness and unfoldingness of mm -hmm. of the book. But like when you very much have someone where like they wrote down like their full effulgent thought is three sentences long and then they're like now i'm gonna puff this up so that i can really draw people in and it's like why like well you could even you could even land on the same thought by the end of like i chewed this over and the book 700 some pages because it's tossing and turning the angles and i land here and it's like okay that's that's the good version and they're like no i don't want the good version i want the shitty one <laughs> It's like, that's bold. I respect that. You've committed yourself to writing poorly on purpose as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so assuming you're not out to like, fix people, what, what, what are you to do with your writing? I um, just like writing weird shit. <laughs> the okay, thing is, good. is that I, so I get told, um, I get told on social media a lot, like, oh, it's so nice how into your own books you are. And I'm like, if I wasn't having fun, I wouldn't be doing this. Like, it's a really, like, it's a really difficult thing to do. And yeah, I am having a great time or else I would be doing something else that I would have or I, that I would be having more fun with. Um, and so, like, yeah, I'm not interested in teaching lessons, but I am interested in writing weird books about people who are forced to make incredibly messy decisions um because i think like that's what i was always interested in reading um and i was always kind of frustrated with how <clears throat> i mean i grew up i grew up right right before ya became a thing. I was a late teenager when um, it really got going. And so I was kind of frustrated anytime I would read a, a book that was, I guess, quote unquote, YA, but that wasn't really a distinction then. And I felt like it was, you know, telling me, teaching me a lesson and the bad guy always dies. And if the, if the nice girl has an errant bad thought, well, we've got to punish her in the narrative for it. And I hated that. I hated it so much. And so I'm more interested in telling stories that are very messy and 
get weird and the characters make just the worst decisions, but also the, they're 17 to 19 years old and your brain's not working when you're like 19 years old. I vividly remember how much my brain did not work at 19. Um, and it's, oh, it's, yeah, you've got to be like easily in the thirties before your brain works. Right. Yeah. My, I'm, I'm 27 and I don't think my brain oh. works yet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Give it a few years. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'm still not there yet. <laughs> so it's 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 not to be like trite and to say I just want to write books to entertain and no more than that. But at the end of the day, I have always like I've always said if you had fun reading it, then my job is done and we don't need to press any further if we want to we can and i would love to discuss the deeper things that i'm trying to accomplish with my books but at the end of the day i just want to entertain people with a lot of eyeballs i remember um i remember uh josh hom from queens of the stone age talking about how when he was in caius like they would just sit in the back of their van and get high and listen to caius albums just listening to their own music all the time mm. because they just loved it so much. They made mm. the, they made the music they wanted to hear, and oh, I, I read I read my books all the time. Yeah, I, I read books. I read books by myself that I hate, and have never been published and never will be. And I still kind of go back to them and read them because I just think, okay, I got this right for me just then. Yeah, but uh, no no one else should ever see this or ever touch it, and it's it's not what I want out there in the world, but it, it's fine for me. It's mm. kind of masturbatory, but um, yeah, it, it works. <laughs> it, if it works, it works. Oh, I mean, but I like, think... I know... Sorry. Uh, the, it, 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 it... Oh, you go on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have to apologize. You're the guest. <laughs> I know that there are teenagers who feel the way that I did about fiction as a teen. So, like, mm. it's partly for me, and it's partly because I know that there are there's this gap of extremely weird fiction in YA and we're kind of starting to fill it. Um, and I want to help fill that. I get told that I push boundaries. I'm like, I'm not trying to, I just want to write stuff that is weird and fun. And I think cosmic horror is fun. <laughs> I think sometimes even the, like, not, not to knock the work that people are saying is pushing boundaries because oftentimes they're, this feels like a, I'm going to more knock the critics saying it. It feels like someone who has less grounding in, in a space says that because they're not mm. familiar with like, there's, there's lots of work that does this. You're, you're trying mm -hmm. to say a coded version of like, oh, I had this preconceived notion of this space having this kind of shape. And I'm realizing that's not necessarily always true. And it's like, then in in good faith at least they turn it into a credit to the work that made them realize that but it's yeah it it, it sometimes yeah. i i've heard that from a number of people who've been told like yeah i'm told i make genre pushing stuff and i'm just i'm just like i i go it sounds neat now like in the world of music or in the world of books they're like i wrote it till i was like huh that's pretty cool and then i handed yeah. it to someone and they were like whoa um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that, that's the way genres get pushed. But it's not through people like going out there and trying to push them and trying to get them in a certain shape. It's like, yeah, that's what Caius were doing when they invented stoner rock, and that's what you do now when you're like trying to introduce all these really cool cosmic horror stuff into YA fiction. It's probably not had a lot of that. It's had you know 
hate to say Harry Potter and a discussion of YA, but it's had a very like standard version of ma- how magic works, where you say mm-hmm. a Latin word and point a stick at someone. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like, it's odd because magic, like, that's cool as hell. In in the literary sort of um like analysis of things like fantasy and sci-fi that most authors don't acquaint themselves with because to be fair you don't have to when you're the person that's being studied <laughs> like that you like like you're one step ahead of it already because you're making the stuff that people are then going back to dissect um but the sort of the thought of um one of the more emergent thoughts uh recently is uh, there is this trend for a while to make magic as like typified and standardized as possible so that like we would consider a good fantasy novel one where the the system of magic is basically like fancy physics that just mm-hmm. lives in this world and that grunt is exactly how i feel about it as well <laughs> where it's like and it's not really magic is it they're just scientists and that's fine huh? there's nothing wrong with that the whole science fantasy genre of like oh i'm that that's a thing but then what if I want a fucking a fucking wizard wizard, you know, where it's like I'm going to fucking bend reality fucking sideways, motherfucker, that that kind of wizard like I wear magic I, should be weird. Right. And that's that's one of the things that I I really dug about your book is it felt like like the standard thing of like when someone says wizard, what do you think? And I'm thinking Conan shit. I'm thinking like they're covered in bones. They're. anywhere between three and 15 feet tall and you're like how is he so big and it's like magic and you're like does magic make you big and they're like i don't even know what magic does man and you're like oh yeah Yeah. or like one of the themes of uh like the conan stories is that conan hates wizards because he doesn't fucking get magic it freaks him out (laughs) he's like i don't understand it they're just mumbling and they're shifting around and then all of a sudden a huge fucking snake comes out of a rock stuff happens and i do not like it it is very uncomfortable (laughs) and weird one of the books that really handled magic well was uh the magicians because it started out as magic is just physics you can go to a postgraduate thing and learn it but then you realize oh wait if you if you you can get good at magic by just treating it as physics and you just move your hands in certain weird ways. But if you really want to go out there and you really want to push yourself, then you got to think of it as magic. And it's just weird shit after weird shit after crazy C.S. Lewis stuff happening all the time. <laughs> and, and I really like that. And, and you know, blood magic and having, and having um, magic be this like gross primal thing you've got to suffer and like people have to die for is that's that's cool as hell that is metal as hell that's i i love that about it it's um yeah that that's very cool and gods appearing in people's heads uh as like this like rack of pokemon that um <laughs> this girl can just, that's uh, exactly what it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah i i've i've um yeah and nadia can just like She's got these little balls, and she can just throw out a, a yeah. Pokemon God, and that's exactly that's super how chill. it works. That's uh-huh. yeah. Um, you should do a. I mean, Pokemon's kind of over now, so you should probably do some kind of like Animal Crossing thing in the next one. Oh just yeah, yeah. Gun Dracula, Animal Crossing. Does my perfect? That's ah. why I should be an editor. It's going to be a good book. <laughs> yeah, but um, so yeah, so I think 
if there are any fans of your work listening, they're going to want to know what's in part three. So I know you, you can't tell people because there's you know, big plot things happen in part two that are. you don't want to spoiled. But give us like the give us like the the feelings. What 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 does part three feel like? Part oh man, um, so there's definitely no cannibalism. There's a lot of cannibalism. Um, Thank you. So there's that. So I... Each book has... Each book compounds on the consequences of these kids' completely rash actions. Um, and so where Ruthless Gods... what Where Wicked Saints was, here's this world. Here it has two magic structures. Here it has 20 gods. Everything is very neat. Um, where Ruthless Gods was, okay, I don't think there's two magic structures. I think, think I think things are weird, and also I think there are more gods. Book three is literally everything you knew was wrong. So good luck <laughs> fixing this world. Have fun. And then it's that for 700 pages. <laughs> okay. Feel it. Yeah. Okay, I feel it. I I I'm liking that. Yeah, so just like com complete estimate epistemological breakdown anything could be true nothing is permitted yes dracula has a gun dracula has the, a gun yeah it's the the ultimate animal crossing <laughs> Tom Nook is in it. it's the ultimate psychedelic fantasy arc because it's the best one like it's <laughs> like every piece of occult fiction every like the illuminatus trilogy is built off of that with this i, oh, I fucking love that book oh i fucking love it um <laughs> just Ah, I love too. that shit. Yeah, where it's at some point there's the the final message is don't ever do magic. Just just <laughs> be chill and be normal. Just please. You want please to be chill and normal. It won't be bad for us. We won't even know what the fuck's happening. We can't see the shit that's going on. We don't even fucking process or understand it. You will though. You're gonna have horrible people. You're gonna sit there and be like, I could have just been a regular boy. I could have just been a farmer. I could have been normal. Like <laughs> this could have been so easy. <laughs> I've decided to do this, and what'll I even get if I if I come out ahead? Uh, nothing. Like I won't die. Maybe I want to die. Maybe I should lose. <laughs> Maybe at this point, death would be better. <laughs> and the real world equivalent to this is, of course, being on Twitter for any amount of time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, um, God. Death would be preferable to posting, although I would mm. die to post. It's just... It, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I die a little inside every, every time I post, but I also live. <laughs> that's how... That's how... Uh, yeah, that's how fucked up uh, Twitter can be sometimes. Oh. Just any amount of... Co any, any production of content in any way um, is exactly like magic. Um, which we're going to get to on our next episode where we actually talk to a witch. And um, that's a little teaser in there for you. So let, let, let's cap things off with, do you, want, do you want to play that Igor song we were talking about? Or, or is there something even more special to you that we should be, we should be oh, playing here? I think we should do Igor. <laughs> Igor? Igor? Oh, yeah. Trio, whatever it is. I, I've literally, I've, I've seen his name. Um, my favorite is Unpleasant Sonata, which is deeply unpleasant. Okay. Okay. We'll um, 
we'll play that one. Uh, folks, you can and should go to bookstores and pick up. Well, you should pick up Wicked Saints first, because not going to lie, it doesn't handhold you if you haven't read these. This, <laughs> first. this is very much supposed to be read as, read as a trilogy. Yeah. Um, but um, that's fine. You know, I, I knew what I was getting into. Um, but yeah, pick up Wicked Saints first, obviously. It, it's shorter, so, you know, um, if you don't like yeah. it, then you haven't invested as much time. So that's always good. But buy uh, both at the same time, so you've invested the same amount of money. Wicked Saints is a doozy of a cliffhanger. So, I mean, we'll you should that. buy both at the same time because then you'll, you can just jump into the next one. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. who knows like, when Amazon is going to just like, completely collapse. It'll be next that's week. very true. So, yeah, you kind of need to get, get on this. Um, oh, that actually brings up like a, a, a little point of good news. So, one, people should buy books from Powell's if they're in the U.S. instead of Amazon, if able. Um, yep. They're like Amazon, but good. Um, they, uh, <laughs> because of uh, Corona, they had to obviously like close their primary. So they started as like a brick and mortar store, and they just had such good selection from their editors and uh, not editors, um, managers. I don't know the people who run book selection at a bookstore um, that they got this huge name and became this huge international um, bookseller as well. Um, and again, like they're the good version of Amazon. They pay their people well and take care of them and don't abuse the living fuck out of them. But because of Corona, they actually had to shut their brick and mortar main store and also um, release a whole bunch of people. Um, which was really horrible and it was heartbreaking. They then got so many online orders from people who were like, I love Powell's. Like, I love Powell's the way that people want you to like a store that like in capitalism, you're never going to do because that's fucking insane. But these are run by actual people and do decent things for their workers. They got so many orders that they hired back 110 people. Like, <sighs> right? Like, and only for <laughs> online orders because like the online orders were blowing up so much they reached out to their old employees and were like do you want help pick and pack online orders for us because we have so fucking many we can give you your job back it just will be pick and pack instead of uh like in-store stuff and it's like the fact that they reinvested in their own workers as opposed to you know just taking the money and running hmm. so try to pick it up from Powell's. That's that's the short version of that. Try to pick yeah, up yeah. these books from Powell's. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a UK equivalent to that. Um, there is, Waterstones is our equivalent of Powell's on the high street, but I don't know if they're good people behind the scenes. Um, they've always been nice when I've been there. Is, is that? It's not quite the same. But um, yeah, I mean, or, they're not Amazon, so yeah. they uh, have that in their favor. I think there's a... Um, there are online alternatives to Amazon. Um, even through the publishers themselves is generally better than going for Amazon. Uh, Amazon is, is not a good company. Um, they are hiring a hell of a lot of people, but True. probably to replace a few that have died. Um, and um, yeah, so do pick it up. Um, even if you're not super into YA, this, it's not like Harry Potter. It's not at all. I mean, just yeah, it, it would probably be a good introduction to someone who who has certain uh set beliefs about what YA is and can be and could do. It would be a good um argument winner if you 
got into that argument about adults reading YA fiction. So, yeah, win arguments, support the scene, support Powell's, uh, don't support Amazon. Um, we're going to be back really soon. We're interviewing, yeah, literal, literal ass witch here. Um, Gabriella Herstig, uh, who has written a bunch of books about witchy stuff that, and has got a new book out called Enchanting the Elements. So we're going to be like airbenders or some shit. I don't know. It's going to be cool. Uh, we got tons more. Um, uh, Rowan Haseo Buchanan, Starling Days. Um, just the most literary of literary fiction. You know, we haven't abandoned that. We're still plowing away in the furrows of literary fiction. Uh, it's- At some point, we will both finish Duck's Newberry Port. At some point. Yeah. The sun may explode, <laughs> but we'll finish it. It's fucking great. It's just, oh, it's, it's just really dense. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah. mind going back and rereading sections at, once I realized that I kind of blanked out because it's so fucking beautiful. I know. It, yeah, I, I have no idea how we're going to approach talking about that because it's it's like talking about some like DMT experience. Yeah, it it reminds me about a kitchen. It it reminds me so much of reading Finnegan's Wake, and people are like, "Oh, what you read it? Oh, you're lying. What's it about?" And I'm like, "Dog." The fact that you can tell if someone's read it because they don't know how to do like I don't know what to tell you what it was like. I read a bunch of words. I don't know I understand understood most of it. It's gonna be honest with you. About everything. It may literally be about everything. It's like I don't mind that I didn't understand it. It was like going it was like climbing a mountain and hearing like a one a ten thousand year old sage murmur at me. I don't need to know what he's saying. I just need to be like yo, I bet that's fucking celestial ass shit and I'm just not woke enough to understand it. All right, let's go back down the mountain. <laughs> and that Duck's Newbury Port is our mountain. Yeah, we're going to, yeah. I think we, we're going to climb that mountain. We're going to do it. We might even like have to suspend the show for a couple of weeks just so we have time. <laughs> um, to like map out how the fuck we're even going to read it and then talk about it. Yeah. Just, Can I, you I, believe, so this is, I keep going back to this. The fucking testaments split the Booker Prize. With to be fair, the book that it split it with was was a very good book. I don't remember its yeah. name off the top of my head. I just remember looking at it after it won and picking it up and going through it in a week. And I was like, <coughs> "Oh, this is." But but fucking Ducks Newburyport was on the short list, and yeah, right, the yeah. the Booker Prize uh, award committee was so fucking hungry for the like. Now it's an award-winning Hulu TV series rub for their, uh, which is ass backwards for how a literary award is supposed to work. You're supposed to give it to a work to give the work the rub, not give it to a work that's already big so that your award gets the rub. That's fucking stupid. But that they shorted Ducks and Newberry Port for the Testaments. Hmm. Yeah, which, which was YA fiction. Yeah. And had all the worst elements of it that we, the cliches. But <laughs> anyway, and... The the publishers of Ducks New Report, <laughs> Galley Beggar Press, out of Norwich, my old hometown, uh, they are publishing a high fantasy book that has like serious um, Gormenghast vibes. <gasps> Holy shit! Talk about that, yeah. It, I it's, love yeah. anything that uses the word Gormenghast. Yeah, this this has heavy, heavy Gormenghast vibes, even we, down to the cover uh, design. We've had so, a long planned Gormenghast episode. Maybe you yeah. should be on it. We <laughs> yeah, should do that, but um. Yeah, I love them. Yes. we will do, do a Golden Gas episode at some point as well. But, folks, here is Igor. <laughs> <laughs>